You'll be listening to a conversation between me and co-counselor Jennifer Jingris, discussing the unique issues that come up when someone has had multiple affairs. Additional resources and links for this podcast can be found by going to affairhealing.com slash podcast 502. If you would be interested in personal coaching with us, go to affairhealing.com slash coaching for more information. And finally, I encourage you to check out the growing number of online courses available at mychange.courses. That's www.mychange.courses. Or you can go to affairhealing.com slash courses for information as well. Thanks for listening. Let's join the conversation. People mispronounce my last name all the time. Well, they usually call you Ted, don't they? Well, yeah, I mean my last name. How do you mispronounce Tedder? Teeter. What? Yeah. Maybe if it was T-T. Or so, no, T-E-E. So I just say, it's like the cheese, cheddar, but with a T on it, just so they remember. That's, I, if people are mispronouncing Tedder. They do. So your name would be harder, I think. People oh, it probably, is. Nobody gets it right. So what What do you tell people to help them? I mean, do you do you ever come up with a... Jean, as in like jeans. It's Jean Gris. And that helps people remember? I don't know. I don't really care. Because if you go to Canada, it's a French-Canadian name. So you go to Canada when we went skiing in Canada. Oh, is that where it comes from? Mm-hmm. Oh. They, they, it's like Gingra. It's like fancy sounding. <laughs> Sitting here in the office of Jennifer. If you've listened to these podcasts, you've heard her before. She's still part of A Fair Healing. But we used to work together, Currents Counseling, when Sharon and I were here in Orlando. We moved up to Indiana a year ago. Jennifer stayed in Florida with her own practice. So now she has a practice in Oviedo, her own office, uh, Sila Therapy. And we're going to post the link to her website. Hi, Jennifer. I'll Hi. you in here. <laughs> I'm just talking about you, but you're not saying You're anything. doing it so wonderfully. You're the, the I, invisible person. In I don't room. even need to jump in. <laughs> but if you happen to be listening from the Central Florida area, and sometimes people are, there's a great counselor for you to connect with and talk to in all areas related to couples work, but with a special focus on infidelity, a fair healing. If you're in Indiana, you can come see Sharon and I. If you're anywhere else in the world, you can talk to all three of us through coaching. We'll put all those links on the notes for this podcast and get more information about all the things we're going to be talking about today. So Jen, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about the situations where there have been multiple affairs by the same person. Yeah. And if that's different, what are the different considerations based on maybe just one or a one night stand type situation? Um, and try to talk through what the healing looks like from even that perspective. Yeah, we often get that question about, well, what if they've had affairs before? Does that matter? Do you heal in the same way? Are there any other issues that need to be considered? So let's talk about that. Welcome to The Recovery Room, a podcast presented by AffairHealing.com. Here are your hosts, Tim Tedder and Jennifer Gingras. Let's have a conversation about what things should be considered in circumstances in which one person has had multiple affairs as opposed to those who've only had a single affair. And when we say repeated affairs or multiple affairs, we're talking about more than one. So it could be two, could be 20. <laughs> I mean, obviously there are going to be some things that are unique about those. What factors are important to consider when we're talking about or thinking about 
multiple affairs. When was the first one? Mm. So how long ago was that? When did it start? Mm-hmm. Also, how many? So when we say multiple affairs, yeah. is that two? Is that 10? Yeah. And there could be a wide range and that could change how you look at the situation yeah. or how you respond. Yeah. When was the first time that they got caught? Yeah, it, it would make a difference if someone had three affairs and you found out about them all at once. Exactly. As opposed to someone who had an affair, found out about it, then they had another affair, you found out about it again, and then had another affair. Yeah. Okay. I think oftentimes that can change mm-hmm. even the direction in which you go. And then also is the current response to finding out Let's say, let's say there have been multiple D-Days, multiple occurrences. Is their response to the most recent one any different or give you any more hope than their response to the first one that came out? Let's go back. And the first question you raised was, when did the first affair occur? How would that make a difference, do you think? As you're counseling people, why would that matter? If the affair ended recently or they just found out about a very recent affair... That may feel very different than finding out there was an affair 20 years ago. And I think the biggest difference may be with the involved partner. They may feel like an affair that was 20 years ago has been put to rest. Mm -hmm. They've dealt with it. They've made peace with it. Whereas for the betrayed spouse, to them, it's current. They're just finding out. And so I can see where there may be a difference in what the healing looks like or a different expectation if they just found out about an affair that just happened. Okay. If someone had started having affairs you know, early in the relationship or even before their relationship. And so it's an ongoing pattern. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. That's probably feels very different than if someone knows that there was a certain number of years, there was a period in which there was faithfulness. But the first time an affair happens is at some point, you know, farther in. I, I think those are different considerations. Sure. And, and so your second question was thinking about how many affairs the person actually had. One affair is bad enough. Sure. I mean, one one affair does all kinds of damage. That's enough. (laughs) Yes. It's not that, oh, just one affair, no big deal. It is a big deal. You know, that question is once a cheater, always a cheater. Mm. I think my quick answer to that is no, that's not true. I would agree with that. But when you go, well, twice a cheater, 10 times a a cheater. cheater. Three strikes, you're out. You know, at what point do you begin thinking, wow, there's a pattern here that you have to take into consideration? Am I ever going to be able to trust this person again? Mm-hmm. Once you've done something wrong, then to go back and make the choice to do that thing again, that reflects something I think a little bit different than the person that does it. It comes out, they admit it, and they don't return to that behavior again. If a couple comes into my office and I'm gathering history and I find out there's been one affair, we definitely dig into the why. We definitely look at what happened, what was going on, all the different factors. If there have been multiple affairs, I think I would also focus more, what is the pattern here? Where is this coming from where there's now been the same response, the same consistent turning away from the relationship to other people? I think it becomes a bigger focus than maybe if there's been one. Yeah, I mean, the more evidence of a repeated pattern, the more curiosity we have as therapists as to, well, what's driving that repeated Mm -hmm. pattern? There can be a lot of explanations for one affair. Again, I'm not dismissing it or trying to make excuses about it, but it may not necessarily reflect a deep-rooted pattern. Sometimes people coming out of a first affair are almost as surprised as anybody else that they actually did that. And it's not characteristic of who they are. But that question starts coming up more into consideration when you do hear, no, this has happened three times before. It's a repeated pattern. One of the other factors that we had mentioned was 
Does it make a difference when they're caught? Mm. Are they caught after each and every single affair? Mm. Or is it one huge dump and they're finding out all this information about 10 affairs that happened at the same mm. time? Yeah. Would that change how we approached it? Well, and that's an interesting issue. And I would say, yes, it might change things a little bit. Maybe an objective person would go, well, what does it matter? They cheated three times, four times, five times, whatever. There's a difference in the way I would approach someone who had been caught early on. And despite however it was dealt with or not dealt with, chose to go back and repeat that behavior. As opposed to someone who'd gotten away with it over and over again and no one knew about it. And now they're having to confront, oh, it's been exposed. Now what choices am I going to make moving forward? It may be no different from the guy that was caught or the woman that was caught the first time. But there might be some differences. So I, it, again, it doesn't inform everything. But to me, there's different questions I might ask of the two people, depending on when they were caught for the first time. Someone who has had a pattern of it and comes into therapy, and this is the first time they've ever been found out, they may be dealing with things in a very different way mm. than someone who's already been through that before. Very true. Yeah. And I think there was one more question. That yeah. was like, if someone maybe has been caught multiple times, the question of is their response any different now than the responses they had in the past? I would definitely be looking for a more thoughtful response, a, a response of what even being able to vocalize what is going to be different this yeah. time. Because if they've been caught before and they keep doing it, it shows that there hasn't maybe been as much thought given to that. So I'd really want to see yeah. like what is going to be different this time around that gives hope either to their partner if they're working on healing relationship or even to the in individual that they don't have to keep repeating this pattern. No, can even trust themselves moving forward. Exactly. I mean, we hear that question all the time. So what's different this time around? Almost like a challenge right. in the accusation. Like, yeah, we've been through this before. Why should I think anything is different now? Let's move right into the perspective of the betrayed partner, okay. betrayed spouse. They are dealing with a partner who's had multiple affairs in the past. Maybe they've all been during the time that they've been in a relationship with them or in a marriage with them. Or maybe they find out there's been infidelities in previous relationships mm -hmm. and now it's coming out in theirs too. Regardless, there are past issues. When we're working with the betrayed partner and the unique difficulties that they have to face and the choices they have to make, what are some things that we take in consideration as we help them? The first thing that came to mind was really about the questioning period where the betrayed spouse usually wants to know the details about what happened. Well, when you're talking about multiple affairs, that process may take a lot longer than it would if there had been one affair, mm. especially if some of the affairs were really a lot longer ago. How much are they going to remember? Okay. That's going to be helpful and just kind of normalizing and validating that to the betrayed spouse that you may have questions today about one affair and then two days later it's the other one and then you're going to flip flop and go back and forth and your spouse may not be able to give a very clear picture okay. depending on how long ago that was. Well, some of the people listening to this may be involved in counseling, some may not be involved in right. counseling. Maybe some may be thinking about, should we go to counseling? Let's talk about our approaches and I don't even know if you may approach this a little bit differently than I do, but when that issue is raised, you know, the betrayed spouse is sitting there and they're saying, I'm dealing with three, four affairs from the past and I don't know the truth about any of them. Mm. What's your approach to that? Do you focus on the earliest one? Do you focus on the latest one? Do you, does it depend on the situation? I would probably take the lead from the client. So if they feel like the most recent one is the most relevant because it is maybe the fresher one yeah. 
Or maybe there's one that seems more significant to the other based on when it happened or based on who it was with. And that one takes precedence over, I need to understand this one first before I understand the other ones. So I think it'd probably come down to the actual client and what they would find most helpful. I I think I'd agree with that. It tends to be that affair that holds the most emotional energy, greatest pain. That is usually the most recent one. Absolutely. But it's not always. Correct. Maybe the most recent was just a one night stand and another one was long. So a lot of those factors, but. That's what I was going to say is if there's a one night stand where there's not really a lot of emotional involvement or details to be provided, even if that was the most recent, they may not really focus on that one as much as, well, there was a two year affair with somebody that I worked with and I still work with them. Well, that's going to probably be where the focus begins. I think if someone's going through trying to gain understanding about multiple affairs, I hope what you're hearing from Jen and for me, is that it may be more beneficial to really focus on the one that is the biggest wound right now, Mm -hmm. rather than trying to stitch up everything all at once. It's not that you can't get at least some basic understanding about what happened, some basic knowledge of it, but when you're ready to really go at some of the details and the more detailed information, um, other questions you may have, and by the way, always encourage you to do that with the help of a counselor or a coach. It is one of the most tricky things. It can go bad really quickly if you don't quite get it right. Uh, There are also some courses online that we make available. We'll post the links to that if you are going to do it yourself. But if it's more than one affair, focus first on the biggest wound. And as you kind of start gaining some footing there, then start dealing with the others. If you try to get everything figured out all at once, it can get pretty messy. And I'll just say one more thing about that is your brain can only process so much at one time. So if you're trying to do it all at the same time, that can just become very overwhelming. Really focusing, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. on what is the most significant one and starting from there and working your way through the other ones afterwards. Another thing to consider as a betrayed spouse or partner would be, was there a period in your relationship with your partner where you have fairly strong confidence that there was fidelity? that you were engaged in a relationship with them where no one else was involved. You may be at a time where you're questioning everything. And you're like, I I think so, but I'm not sure. But, you know, I I understand that. But a lot of people have a pretty good sense that, you know, I think things were really pretty good for us for a long time. And they can come to that confidence fairly quickly. If that's true in your situation, I think that can be something that is a positive checkmark for you. I think that's very different from someone who's looking and has to realize Boy, there's never been real trust in our relationship. From the very beginning, there's been lying, there's been cheating. That's a much harder thing to deal with, much more difficult to heal from, much more of a challenge in reestablishing trust in a relationship when you realize there's never been a reason for trust before. It's not impossible, but it's really, really hard. It would be harder to hope for that if there hadn't been some period of fidelity. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. I think at the end of our conversation, Jen, I'd like to come back and just give thought to maybe couples you've worked with, couples I've worked with, and think about what has been the quote success. And by success, we mean couples that have experienced healing, that have come back to a restored relationship where trust has been reestablished. And are there any examples of that actually happening when there's been multiple affairs? And I think it'd be fair to think about what about situations where someone found out that there's always been infidelity mm. and that comes out. Can Is there any hope that that kind of relationship? So I don't know what we'll come up with, but we'll talk about All that right. at the end of it. I think you talked about before some evidence of a different response this time around. If you're dealing with a couple where they have had previous infidelities by the same partner and now here it's showing up again, talk a little bit more about 
what you would hope to see different in the response than was there before to give you some measure of maybe there's hope for real change this time around? What would would that even look like? The biggest thing I would look for is how the involved partner responds. If they're willing to really be open and honest with themselves about what has not worked, what they've done wrong, what work they did not do the other times where this has been caught, and their commitment to making that change and doing the work and taking responsibility for the healing and taking responsibility for discovering why this happened, not once, but twice, three, four times, whatever the case may be. And it's not being driven by the betrayed spouse. It's not being pushed or it's an obligation or I have to do this to make my spouse happy, but a genuine effort by the involved partner to do the work because they truly want to change, not to make somebody else happy. We've often talked about that probably being the greatest predictor yes. of where a couple's going to go. Is the degree to which the person that had the affair takes responsibility not only for the changes they need to make, but for the healing of the relationship and reestablishing connection and trust with the partner. If it's the one who's betrayed, that's the one always stepping up and trying to make it work, that's going to be difficult, you know, I mean, if not impossible. If the goal is not just avoiding divorce, but staying together in a way that's satisfying to both, where connection and trust are restored in the relationship. And I think the involved partner then doesn't really ever truly take responsibility if somebody's doing the work for them or pushing them to do the work. And I don't think you can have true change without that piece. So my suspicion would be if there have been multiple affairs and it's come out before and they had a response to it, maybe those responses were even genuine apology. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, maybe even tears and genuine, genuine remorse. Yeah, yeah. And and I never want to do that again. Right. But here they are doing it again, and you find out just being sorrowful, just feeling bad isn't enough. No. It has to be. So what are you learning from this that is going to turn into change moving forward? That's what you need to look for. Honestly, how would you feel as a therapist if you were sitting with a couple where there have been multiple affairs, multiple confessions, and the person sitting on their couch going, yeah, I'm really, really sorry I did this, and I just promise I'll never do it again. And that's kind of where it stops. And then they say, well, you just need to trust me. I know. I know it's hard to trust me, but just trust me again. I promise this time I really, really mean it. And that's all the farther it goes. I think I'd have to be really honest in a kind, respectful way about what the reality of that response could be. Maybe they don't ever cheat again, but is there really going to be a healing that seems significant without that deeper level work? I just don't know if that's a realistic expectation. And I think there's a conversation, whether that's in a joint session or even an individual session to give each partner, hey, this is what I'm noticing and hearing. And based on my experience, here's my concern about that response. And here's my worry for how that may not work long-term. It may be a short-term solution, but it's not a long-term solution. We'll sometimes turn to the betrayed partner after hearing that and saying, does that sound familiar to you? Mm -hmm. I mean, have you witnessed this before? Have you heard these things before? And oftentimes they'll say yes. And making it very clear that healing requires change. Work. So if, yes, and it's going, something's going to be different. So if this is familiar, if this is the same so far, and then putting it back on the person that had the affair, what's going to be different this time around? And if they don't know, which many times they're confused, the challenge is, then that's something you need to figure mm-hmm. out. 
And to be honest, I don't know that you can do it necessarily on your own. I think there needs to be an accountability, whether that's in counseling, a trusted friend, you have to be able to work and talk these things out, or at least be reading resources, whether it's books, articles, listening to podcasts, whatever it may be, but to not pursue something different I don't know that that leads you anywhere different. So if the betrayed spouse isn't seeing those things. Exactly. If it feels like the same thing mm-hmm. over again. And yet they want to hope that maybe it will be different this time Maybe around. it will be. Possibly. Well. <laughs> maybe not. Not likely. Not likely. I would agree with that. I wouldn't have very much hope for that as the counselor. And I, and I will be honest with both partners when it comes to that, saying, listen, I want to help you towards everything good and healing. And I hope that you will find that if that's what you both are saying you want but I'm not hearing any clarity in regards to what's going to be different this time around. And we'll say to the betrayed partner, so until that becomes obvious, until that can be clearer, better defined, you remain at risk. I don't know there's any reason to believe you're less at risk now than you have been at all these other times. Agreed. How would you define the risk of someone who's had multiple affairs in regards to more affairs in the future compared to someone who's only had one affair, and the likelihood that they're going to repeat that behavior in the future. Unfortunately, we are creatures of habit and routine. And so if we continue to do the same thing over and over and over again without that deeper level work, it just becomes almost a habitual response. So if the pattern is I look outside of my relationship to get validation or to get whatever the case may be, And it's been done multiple times without that learning of why this is happening and what I want to change. There is an increased increased risk Mm -hmm. for that continuing to happen as opposed to somebody who's only had one stopped, learned, grew from it than somebody who's done it over and over and over and over again without that accountability. We often hear the phrase, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And and that doesn't mean if you've lied once, you're going to just be a terrible liar the rest of your life. Nor does it mean if someone has been unfaithful once, then they are a cheater for the rest of their life. But the truth of that statement is, if someone is demonstrating a pattern in their life, multiple affairs being one of those patterns, then there's it increases the likelihood that that's going to happen. And the more affairs there have been in the past, the more likely it's going to happen in the future. Now, those are just base numbers, though. Mm-hmm. I put a lot of weight on the way that the person that had the affair is responding in that moment. Yes. And again, I'm not just talking about tears and feeling bad. I'm talking about looking for, is this a moment of change for that person? If there have been multiple affairs, the betrayed partner may just be done with it. Mm-hmm. I don't want even risk. And they have every right to do that. Absolutely. But as a counselor, wanting to encourage people towards healing and change, if I see that shifting of the heart, if I see that change of focus, that I want to tell a different story than the one I've been telling in the past, I don't want to do this anymore. Man, I'm all over that and helping them towards something different. And I hope that can be in a family where there's kids and so Mm -hmm. forth, and that can be restored great. If not, if the marriage is going to end, then you're going to have to be healthier for your children, for whatever future relationships there might be. But it carries a lot of weight. So considering the risk of future infidelity, I think we're both saying, yeah, the more affairs a person's had in the past, the greater the risk in the future. But there's also a balance to that how they've responded to those in the past and presently is also maybe a predictor. Whether they've been caught several times or whether this is the first time they're getting caught, that's a predictor of what the risk factors are. There's no guarantees of they absolutely will or absolutely won't. All of those are factors to consider. And from the portrayed person's perspective, you have to consider all of those things. You know, I often think of it in terms of 
what if someone was a good friend of mine or my daughter and they were caught in this situation? Mm. And I know my emotional response to that is definitely different if I know there's been repeated patterns yes. than if that's happened and they've acknowledged it and changed. Well, there's a lot more hope there, but there's I agree. a lot more risk otherwise. Yes. Let's talk to the person who's had multiple infidelities and affairs because we want to give them hope too. <laughs> sure. One of the biggest areas of focus goes back to what we just mentioned is what is the pattern here? There needs to be an understanding and awareness of what that is in order for any change to be made. Um, and that takes some gut check work, I guess you could say, of really looking at those deeper vulnerable emotions and feelings. Maybe there's been trauma in the past that has not been addressed, but there's a pattern there for a reason and that pattern has roots. And until you get to the roots, it's hard for there to be long lasting change without addressing what that is. That's hard to do for all of us to really be <laughs> yes, honest with ourselves and gain that kind of clarity. I think especially for men who, who just want to believe I'm self-sufficient. And now that I've recognized, you know, and I'm sorry for it, I can just control myself. We don't need to talk about it anymore or do anything else. I, you probably do. Or you're going to remain at risk. If you don't get this stuff figured out, you are going to still be at risk moving forward. I, that's not saying it's guaranteed you'll ever have another affair. Maybe you won't, but you're much more likely to. And even, again, I think you said it earlier, even if you don't, some of the things you need to learn from this are not going to be there in your life. And they're going to get in the way that you really need to not only love your partner, but experience love with them. It will always get in the way of connection. This is something that can take a lot of work. It's really hard for someone to just sit around in a corner somewhere and figure out on their own. <laughs> I don't know that you can. I'm just being honest. And maybe people disagree with me, but I think there has to be I think there has resources. to be input. No, no, no. This comes from this comes from stuff in us that we've learned to justify, explain away, or ignore, deny, whatever. And we need other voices or other truths speaking in our lives. Now, I think some people, if they become curious enough, can really reach out to resources and read and learn and can get it that way. Uh, certainly counseling is something we encourage for people. There's an online course that's provided. Go to mychange.courses and look for the Understanding Why course. It's a pretty in-depth course that will, on your own, take you through the process of thinking through these things. But whatever you can do, get to greater clarity in regards to why this pattern has been in your life. And I'll also say, if you're going to reach out to somebody... I think there are things to consider on who you're reaching out to. Obviously, we advocate for counseling and therapy. But let's say that's just not an option and you're not comfortable with that. You need to make sure that whoever it is is going to be somebody who will be honest with you. If the goal is to heal the marriage, it needs to be a friend of the marriage. It's not going to be somebody who just tries to go along with your excuses and justifications either. So it has to be a very trusted resource who's going to be honest, who's going to support moving forward in a healthy direction or else you're just going to have somebody who's not really helping you move in the direction you say you want to move in. That's It may even do more harm than good in the long run. If you're someone who's had multiple affairs and you're listening to this by your own volition or because you've got a partner that's making you listen to this, <laughs> you may feel a lot of embarrassment or shame as a result of what you've done, but your change moving forward has to be motivated by more than just your embarrassment, your shame, your sorrow, your regret. You have to have a clearer picture of what your healthy life should look like. The way that you engage the person that you love, the way that you experience intimate relationship, 
the ways that you experience vulnerability, emotional vulnerability in your life. And again, I'm talking about stuff that I can give stories of why this has been a challenge for me, why it was hard for me. Uh, it's hard for a lot of men, number of women too, to, to deal with all of these things. But those are usually the areas that you have to be willing to explore. That needs to be your motivation for the work you're doing next. Not just satisfying your partner, not just by what do I need to do to show you why I'm sincere in this? I mean, it's great to want them to be satisfied, but this has to be about you. A recognition that I need to figure this out. A passion that comes from the inside out in you that drives you towards, man, if I don't figure this out, I don't even know if I'll trust myself moving forward. And I want to, and, and I want this person that I love to trust me as well. Or if you're sitting there wondering even if you love anymore your partner, if you have that capacity to love in that way, looking at the stuff and figuring it out and moving forward in a way that's different than you've moved forward before is going to be very important for you to do. And you have to want to do it for your own sake, not just to appease others around you. I think that's a point I will highlight as well. It has to be consistent with who you want to be or working to be. It cannot just be to make other people happy or it just doesn't work. It doesn't work long term. One other thing I think in regards to talking to the person who's had multiple affairs, and I guess in a way this relates to anybody that's had even one affair, but especially when you're looking at all the stuff that's attached to multiple affairs, making sure that the person that's had them accepts the full responsibility for what needs to happen next and really diminishing your expectations for what your partner needs to do. They're dealing with a very difficult situations, maybe even questioning whether they want to be with you anymore, whether they will ever be able to forgive or trust you again. That's work that they need to do. You cannot demand or expect that. You can express your honest longing and hope for forgiveness and trust, but that's the work that they need to do. You have to take responsibility for the changes you're making and accept, as we've stated before, the major responsibility in bringing stability back into the condition of your relationship right now. And that can look practically like the partner that had multiple affairs is initiating counseling. Mm -hmm. The partner that had the affairs is initiating conversations, even though they're hard with their partner, checking in to see how they're doing, addressing when they get triggered to, to respond with comfort and reassurance, not with defensiveness or justifications. It's the involved partner pursuing resources or pursuing learning not because their spouse is making them do it. So if you're looking, well, what does that look like practically? It means taking the initiative to heal and to repair, not expecting your spouse to do it, not getting upset when they get upset because they're being triggered or they're dealing with their trauma from this, but really being the one to take over the healing, not only for yourself, but for the relationship, if that's what you're trying to do, if that's the goal. You know, Jen, we talked earlier about how we respond when clients come in and when there's been multiple affairs, as opposed to someone, maybe there's only been one affair. And just looking at the numbers, I, I would certainly say, you know, I, it's easier to work with couples when there's only, you're only dealing with one affair. I mean, it's, it's I'm not saying it's easy work because it's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, takes a lot of time. But comparatively, it tends to be easier when there's just a single affair as opposed to multiple affairs. And the more affairs they are, the more complicated it gets. Right. But I, I wanna say something. I would much rather deal with someone who has had many affairs and yet is the place of genuine 
brokenness and desire to change. And that becomes evident in the work that they do and the changes they're making. Then someone who's had one affair and is just like, hey, I'm sorry, let's move on mm-hmm. and isn't assuming responsibility for it. That's more significant. I, agree. I think the person that's multiple affairs probably has more to work through. It's going to be a little bit harder to get all that stuff and work at it. But my hope for that couple is greater than the hope with, of one affair. And the person that had the affair really isn't assuming responsibility for what happened. Agreed. And, I, and if there's been multiple affairs, I also know is it's not an overnight change. It's a roller coaster ride. But if there have been multiples, that ride might be a little bit longer. And that's just a realistic expectation for both the couple and the counselor approaching healing. So really honestly, just between you and me, no one else is listening right now. Okay. Is it really reasonable to hope that someone who has had an affair and then goes back and has another affair and maybe another affair, is it really reasonable to hope that that marriage could heal? My honest answer is yes, that there is hope. Mm -hmm. My job would be really depressing if there wasn't. (laughs) But I say that because... I've seen it happen. You do have evidence. Sure. And I believe that people are capable of change. And it goes back to probably what's a common theme throughout this podcast episode is it goes back to that involved partner's willingness to do that work. And if they are truly, genuinely about walking that path toward healing in a way that's different than before, I don't see a reason why they cannot get there and why that marriage cannot survive that if that is the case and the betrayed spouse is willing to do their work, whatever that is. So my answer is yes. I agree. And there are many examples of couples who have multiple affairs in their story and who are at a place of healing and restored trust and reconnection in their marriage now and have been that way for many years. So that's their new normal. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. It can be experienced. It's hard work, but you can get there. Because of confidentiality, we can't really talk specifics about a lot of those, except one couple, at least, uh, Ryan and Jennifer. They're probably my most profound example of this. And their story, uh, their stories in a previous podcast, I did a seven-year follow-up interview with them. Just look for the one that has description of Ryan and Jen in the podcast descriptions. But that was a story of someone who'd had between 20 and 30, I think, affairs in his marriage. And you would think... Okay, there's just no way. Right. Anyone with that kind of pattern in their that life? That probably would be my reaction too. Yeah. Well, be I think honest. I think as a counselor, I was going, okay, I don't, I, I don't know that the, you can really survive this. Yeah. And they were a relatively young couple. You know what made the difference though? He was fully invested in. I do not want this to be my story. He was broken about that pattern in his own life. And he said to her, I hope you'll stay with me. I don't know whether you'll stay with me or not. I hope you will. Even if you don't, I'm going to figure this out because mm. I don't want this in my life anymore. And it wasn't easy for them. It was hard. But that was quite a while ago. And they have a wonderful story now. And they'd be the first to tell you, our marriage isn't perfect, but it's really good. And we trust each other and we love each other. And we have a great family now. Relationships and marriages can survive and grow and change in very positive ways. Their marriage now is something very different than it ever was before and will continue to grow and change as they continue to grow and change. So there is hope, but you've got to be honest with each other. And if you're sitting there in a relationship where there's been multiple affairs and there really is no evidence of change, you need to ask yourself some hard questions. Mm -hmm. Why am I staying here? Am I trying to do all the work that's really should be the responsibility of my partner? 
Am I expecting something to happen that probably isn't reasonable to expect to happen because really we're doing the same thing over and over again? If that's true, maybe you need to make different choices. But if you're someone who's had multiple affairs and you're listening to this and it's stirring something in you, a desire to make the kind of shifts and changes that last a lifetime, get help. Get help, do the work, and things can be different. The Recovery Room Podcast is a resource provided by AffairHealing.com. For more information about the podcast and resources for affair recovery, including archives of past programs and the schedule for upcoming ones, please go to AffairHealing.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Tim Tedder. See you next time.